Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome to the show. She is um, a powerhouse. Man, let me tell you, this woman's predicted just about every single election in the last decade. And um, so I'm curious to see what she's got cooking now. I know she's exhausted, but we got a couple more weeks. Hold on, lady. Hold on. Let me welcome back to the show, Miss Rachel Bittercoffer. Welcome. Hey. Thanks, Karen. It's so good to be back. How you doing? I am awesome. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, When you hear like these debates have been ridiculous, I've come to the conclusion that debates don't matter. I don't think they matter. Do you do you believe that? (laughs) Here, Let me tell you guys a little something, something that will make you understand when I agree that debates don't matter why that is. Okay. So like, you know, the big Super Bowl, the presidential primary debates, those puppies, like the best audience we've seen for one of those is about 20 million, maybe 22 million viewers. Okay. There's 340 million people in America. <laughs> and that's the most marquee, most important thing, right? Of, of all the primary of all the presidential primary type debate things. And you know, it it no one, no one watches it. So when we think about the governor's race in Oklahoma, in Florida, in Pennsylvania, um, or these debates, I'm sorry, that we're really talking about us watching them. News hounds, politicos, people who are super into it. On, our, on the supporting side, and then the opponents on the other side watch it too. But as far as your average American, no, like not, not even close. Like, so to even say 5% of the Florida electorate was exposed to the debate to make a decision off of would be a reach, a real reach, because it would not be that high. Not even 5% of the electorate would ever see footage out of that debate. So Sarah Suckabee Sanders not showing up against Chris Jones and Rand Paul not showing up against showing up against Charles Booker, probably good for them because all they could do is say something stupid and get hemmed up, especially if you're going up against a rocket scientist like Chris Jones in Arkansas, you're going to get your ass handed to you and that could go viral and that could be a mistake. So maybe them saying no was good strategy. Same with Katie Hobbs, right? So like Katie Hobbs is a, probably a fine public servant because what makes a good public servant isn't necessarily what makes somebody talented at standing up um, on a debate stage with an out-and-out fascist who is skilled in the art of rhetorical tomfoolery, right? So, um, you know, everyone is like, oh, she's, you know, she made a really big mistake. I'm not sure that she did, because if you think back to Clinton's technique in 2016, you know, against Trump, you know, and this is- uh, Hillary Clinton. Right. Yeah, Hillary okay. Clinton. I forgot. You know, I forgot she ran. The way that our side, <laughs> the way that our side deals with like that confrontational, you know, Fox News, it isn't good, right? So like we, it doesn't make for good TV anyway. And because no one's going to see a debate unless somebody lifts something out and puts it in an ad, and then even then it will be a limited audience. There's really some times where it makes sense not to do the debate. Okay, as a political st- analyst. Um, Hmm. Where are we in Georgia with both the governor? We had, we had, um, Latasha Brown on who gave me some optimism yesterday because of early Good. voting, uh, record numbers of black folk are showing up for early voting. Uh, I was like, okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's a good thing. But you know, the Republicans are going to show up on election day in yes. numbers. 
Yes. What do you, what, and Raphael Warnock is running against a brain damaged, um, boob. And that's too close to call. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Thank I you. mean, guys, it's because the public, I mean, I'm going to talk a lot about in my book that comes out next year on, um, messaging and strategy. It, it also talks a little bit about us. We, the people. Okay. Because we're failing our democratic accountability responsibilities when a party is not punished for not debating or when a party can do something radical on policy and not have a electoral the only response that matters by the way is electoral response right so um you know the republicans are only getting away with what our system has shaped out to allow them to do and you know it it, it it can't be changed in any other way than thumping them in the election right so when we think about georgia it's unfortunately a very noisy signal like we used to be able to look at like early balloting activities and kind of get a sense right but now ever since trump did his war you know the big lie antecedents uh before the election in 2020 republicans turned away from voting earlier absentee by mail and wanted to vote in person. So now we really can't look at that. Um, but the one one aspect that is useful is in Georgia, right, as you just pointed out, and um, pointing out that we're seeing the kind of activity out of the black part of the electorate in the state that we have to see, which is the floor to be competitive, right? So we needed to see black voter enthusiasm at or exceeding 2018-2020. And if we could see that, then we would know we'd have a, a chance to, to have a competitive cycle to hold the Senate seat for Warnock and elect Stacey Abrams. Because I, I really see these races together, right? Um, and so, it, it, you know, well, well, to me, it's are necessary. They are they, do you think, um, do you think it's possible for Raphael Warnock to win and Stacey Abrams to lose? Because I, I'm, Yes, mm, yeah. because and it's not so like people are going to want to shit on Stacey Abrams and I, I'm just not going to let that happen. OK, the difference between Stacey Abrams campaign and Ralphiel Warnock's campaign is not them. It is the opponent. OK, she's up against an incumbent. Warnock is not. And that incumbent is Brian Kemp. Okay, not Herschel Walker. So when we think like, why is Warnock overperforming Stacey Abrams? We might be tempted to say, well, maybe black men are not less supportive of a, of a female. The data does not suggest that at all. What Thank we are you. seeing is a quality challenger difference. So if we end up with a split outcome, and I hope we do not, I hope we end up with winning both of those races. And I would urge people to fight hard for the women of Georgia, help Stacey fight for those women. They cannot be abandoned. Um, when uh, If we see a split outcome, it will not be because Stacey Abrams ran the wrong messaging and Warnock did this different and this and that. It is the quality of the challenger and the incumbency factor that mm -hmm. also is a lot less influential than used to be incumbency but it still matters look at ron DeSantis down in florida i don't want to i think he's a dumpster <laughs> fire uh, on two weird legs but he should uh not be governor and i you know we had uh charlie christ on and he used to be governor so yeah. is he does he have the incumbent factor Yes. So I think that's probably why, I mean, one of the reasons why people wanted him as the candidate over the other, you know, person in the primary. Nikki, and Nikki was dope. You know, I think she was, yeah. she would have been a, a fantastic um, governor, but yeah, she had an uphill battle. Yes. To Chris's credit though. I mean, he, you know, it's not, he's not, Katie Hobbs is not a scrapper. 
Charlie Crisp is not a scrapper. He's not like a showboat guy, right? But he's trying to play one on TV. And I really appreciate the fact that he's done that. He has been as aggressive as he possibly can. I wish Val Demings could be rhetorically aggressive too and in, in framing the Repu Florida Republicans as an extremist movement. Um, I, I don't know how much of the advertising, which is really what- Wait a minute though. Val is she Demings running ads calling- um, uh, Rubio an extremist because I don't know I haven't seen that so. well I thought she was really aggressive in not aggressive let me not use that term as it relates to black women I thought that she was strong and powerful in her debate against Marco Rubio oh yeah she, she's she incredible. handled him yeah, I yeah, think that's, but, but, that's not what I'm saying no I know but I'm saying her messaging <laughs> yeah. as a yeah. black woman in a Florida yeah. state a southern yep. ass redneck ass oh, state sure. yeah, she can't yeah, do the yeah. same thing charlie chris can do or a white woman for that matter or right? at least she's told that she can't do it right you so better like, say that too say that rachel yeah. bittercoffer yeah because yes. like here's the thing like this uh, why would we ever want to 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 change our true selves our natural warrior selves because we think that it matters what they, how they perceive that power, right? So I really strongly, I, I do think it's it's not fair to say like over time that that was true. But where we are now, after you know years and years of of, of some you know some progress, some of it's not great, but there's progress. We 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 are not helpful when we tell black women to hold back at all. We should be telling black women let it fucking rip because they are one of our most important assets in this party some of the best brand ambassadors this party has are our female black candidates especially and so when i have a candidate like demings who's tough and um doesn't you know she doesn't take nonsense i want to set her out there and just let her schoolboy somebody like marco little rubio right <laughs> so like you know, part of it isn't, it, it, people think of like the candidates are, are choosing like a lot of the stuff, but honestly, it, it comes from advice. I mean, if you ran for office, Karen, you know how to run a radio show, right? But you don't know how to run for office. So you would hire a team and you, they would tell you what, how to, what kind of messages to run, what kind of ads to cut, how to prep for your debate, how to posture yourself on media. So, you know, if that advice coming from the consultant orbit to these candidates is flawed based on the old model, because in, in old America, you couldn't overthrow the government and still be electable. Okay. In new America, because of polarization <laughs> and tribalization, you can do that. Right. Ooh. So we need, we really need to be, I think, um, empowering our female um, African-American candidates, especially, but all female candidates to, to get out there and be good, solid, aggressive. I know you hate the word. I love the word aggressive. When people call me aggressive, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> right, right. You know, we you, you you said something that made me sit back because I've been talking this talk with action for the last eight years, my whole life, actually. Yes, you are absolutely correct. You know, and if I were running for any office, I wouldn't do it any differently than I do every day of my life. And I wouldn't listen to any political strategists because they don't know what the hell is going on in this world. I sit here every day. I know what the hell is going on because I talk to people. I talk to people from all walks of life, all over the country, all over the world. And I think I have my finger on the pulse of like what moves the needle. And if I'm going to win, I'm going to win being a hundred percent authentically me. And yeah. that's, that's, and I think Val Demings in that, in that debate showed that. I'm not sure, though, with Stacey Abrams. So as I'm watching her move, you know, there's a docility and maybe that's who she is. There's a there's a, you know, a pass passivity, docility that I 
personally, like, ah, come on, you know, and even Raphael Warnock. And I guess somebody must have said, you know, don't come, you know, don't feed the animals, don't feed the animals, don't, you know, but I feel like all we were talking about Kanye before you came in, all insults, all assaults must be checked and challenged. You don't let it foment. You don't let it fester. You clap back immediately. You put them on their ass. Yeah. You punch them. You push that nose to the back of the (laughs) head verbally and you make yeah. them think twice before opening their mouths again. That's, that's exactly gotta, that's right. That's it, right? And, and I feel like, you know, not enough people are doing that. I feel that's I right. feel you on that. So, yes, yeah. I agree. But, but uh, you know, it's the same with Clinton, Hillary Clinton, you know, like, if you've ever seen Hillary in an environment, I, I haven't, I'm not an insider like that, but, I, but I've seen, I've heard that she's incredibly personable, yes. charismatic, funny, okay? What these, what this consultant, effort tends to do is 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 siphon all of that out right because it puts you in a beige pantsuit and do and say and think <laughs> right. and feel and da 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 right. and don't do right. this but do do that and don't and like right now on both sides of the aisle and for better or for worse because populism can be quite dangerous part of this populism fervor that's overtaken the electorate is about authenticity okay why is john fetterman probably put Pennsylvania out of reach for Republicans and thus the Senate majority by one seat because he's authentic as fuck. That's why. (laughs) All right. On that (laughs) note, uh, Louisiana kicks off uh, today, early voting in Louisiana. I love me some Gary Chambers. I love me some Gary Chambers. He's got a severe uphill battle, but it's early voting in Louisiana, y'all. Early voting today. What are your thoughts about that race? You know, it's not something that I, I, my job is to, is to look at a map and, and, and try to be in a midterm cycle where we, two years ago, when I set out to move from think tank and academic and analyst to electioneering and that messaging person extraordinaire, I did so because I knew the midterm effect would advantage the out party, that out party would be the Republican party. And that if it met both our, that fundamental issue, plus our shitty messaging, we were going to get run over, right? And, and we've, we've managed to, to change some of that messaging posture and Rose evisceration, which is obviously terrible for us, but um, it came at a time that was timely for us, okay? Mm-hmm. Because it could have come after this cycle. And I think if it had, if we didn't have Roe, even with the reforms that Jamie Harrison, who's an excellent chair of the DNC, the no, best isn't. chair that we've I ever had. I, well, then that says that the, the DNC has sucked forever. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, here's what here's what you guys need to understand about these organizations, right? Like Jamie run, is a CEO. He's not in charge of the messaging and the ads, right? His job is to raise money to make sure this organization gets funded. Right, but then he, fund, he funded of Republicans in certain districts and not... People like, yeah, you know, and you know what, Louis- if we win the house, it will be that one seat, Michigan 13, that one seat. And, and this is a very hard, what I want people to understand as we, as we're moving through, I don't want to leave anyway. And I know I'm going to see you election night um, without this, what we should be looking at right now is a 40 seat house pickup for Republicans and the loss of the Senate and the loss of the Midwest, all three of those governorships and st- secretary of state and attorney generals. Whitmer in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. With those guys, that's the that's the path to a free and fair election in 24. So we are in a much better position than we ever could have hoped to have been. 
It is largely a product of negative partisanship from the Roe decision, at least solving the enthusiasm gap problem for us, okay? But it is also not inconsequential what has been done at the DNC and other and the other party committees in, term, in terms to present an aggressive strategy that can win elections against Republicans in competitive places. And, and you know, we are not going to uh, likely come out of this cycle with a House majority. If we do, it will be one seat, guys. Wow. <laughs> I mean, one seat. Wow. Okay. And it may well damn well be the one that Sean Maloney, Jamie Harrison didn't do that. Sean Maloney, the DCCC chair, did invested to make sure that the incumbent Republican was defeated because incumbency matters still a little bit, right? And our uh, at race went from almost guaranteed safe R to competitive for us. And it could be the one race that keeps the gavel out of Kevin McCarthy's hands, right? Yeah, Kevin so McCarthy's house. Yes, Ooh. yes, dude, I'm telling you. Like, so like, you know, it's not... This is hard. These are hard times. And the deciders, the people who are at power are making hard decisions, but they're not made lightly. All right. I trust I trust you because um, I know, one, you care deeply about democracy and two, you know your stuff. Uh, you haven't been wrong. And who um, one seat you you. If we if can have that one. Listen, if we come out election night, when I come on your show and I'm confident that we can hold the big three governorships, for me, that's the that's the most important thing. And it has been for two years in my mind, holding on to the, to the free and fair electoral system we need to have a free and fair 24, because like it or not for Republicans, Biden's in that office and he's going to stay in there, right? So like he, there's a safety valve right there for democracy. The um, Jan 6 stuff is all at DOJ now. So the House, I don't want to lose the House. It will be a disaster for Americans and we will see what the Republican Party is all about. If they control the House, they're going to um, really, I think we're going to see things we've never seen before, okay? But at the end of the day, does demo- the effort to safeguard, secure, and turn around this collapsing democracy survive if we lose the House but do better on those other things? Mm. Yes, it does. And it would be a massive victory. And people need to see it like that, even if it doesn't feel like that. Because if you don't see it like that, then what's going to happen is wrong decisions are going to get made on in investment going forward, and we're going to end up losing 24 or 2. Oh, so like that, this house reach was very, very hard. It was always going to be hard. And what we should be looking at is a forecast that has them picking up 30 or 40 seats. And the fact that we're not seeing that is success, right? We've already okay. had success. <laughs> All right. I, I appreciate that. The Senate is going to hold. So I think I do think it, it's going to come down to whether Arizona and Georgia with Warnock and um, Kelly, like I feel I feel confident about those races, but, you know, I understand it. It's about partisanship and, you know, Arizona Republicans are going to vote for Blake Masters uh, and so is our leaning independence and same in, in Georgia, no matter how in unqualified he is, they're going to vote for him at 90-10. And the question is, can we push enough swing voters away from voting for Warnock that's harder to do when most of the messaging isn't about doing that. It's about trying to get them to, to continue to support or like or approve of Warnock, right? Mm. So like in my mind, the most effective close in the conversion, the swing pool 
is to push those voters away from Republicans as aggressively as you can. Well, uh, I appreciate your scholarship and your study and your your numbers crunching. And I can't wait to, well, I can, because I'm not actually, not dread, I'm dreading election night. But we're going to be Me here too. on Urban View till like. But we're all going to get through this together, guys. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing, like, I mean, I'll, you know, I'm aware of my privilege. <laughs> like, I understand that I'm a privileged person, right? Racially privileged, intellectually privileged, um, now economically privileged. It wasn't always, right? And um, like, we're not, I will not stop fighting. I will not stop fighting for everybody who does not have that privilege. Come on. That's what I love about you. Rachel Bittacoffer. Come back election night. We're going to be here till like two o'clock in the morning. I am. Uh, Other people on the channel going. Okay. (laughs) So come on through. I look forward to having this conversation and hopefully it'll be on uh, with, with some good news. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.